Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with Stevel and robot on the cycling independent episode 39 scenes and subcultures <laughs> uh, i'm opening the note <laughs> so good at this opening the notes right now we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes <laughs> you might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay. We still love you. We opened with a lie there because this is going to contain no mature themes. It is only going to contain immature themes. <laughs> um, and this is the third week that I've not looked at the notes. I have no idea what um, I have no idea what we're going to talk about, which, to be honest, I think. I like I like the spontaneity of it, and I like just like it. It just it just uh, it it's exciting for me. It's like a present. I don't know what's in it, and I don't know <laughs> like if I think about it too much, then I might I might overthink it, and then I'll, well, uh, I have bad I news know. for you. Okay, because we've done this episode before, but last time. We failed to record it. So we had a fantastic, scintillating, and spontaneous <laughs> conversation that ended with you going, wait a minute. Oh. 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 oh, and I didn't, nothing recorded. Well, we got like one minute. You sent me your file and you were like, did that work? And I was like, I have one minute of you going, hang on. Hang on. Oh, no. Okay. Um, okay. Let's. Yeah, let's, well, maybe. It's going to be great. Okay. Maybe, uh, maybe this is going to, maybe this is going to work out. I have a, I have a good feeling, you know, <laughs> we are definitely our own worst enemies. We never get better than maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Scene, scenes and subcultures. Um, yeah. So this episode is about how sometimes your punk rock friends become Hare Krishnas or oh, yeah. get really weird and start a rap metal band or, how someone you like really gets into bike polo or freestyle unicycle. For example. Yeah. None all of, those, of which are good things. None of those things have happened to me. Oh, but I, they've happened to me, but okay. Well, you, this is story time with Robot. Oh, everyone will love that. Let's get in a um, music pick of the week. I got one. Oh, well, get right to it then. No, you go first. Oh, shit. Um... So the thing about Music Pick this week is that I did actual research. I rejected four picks. I listened to them and I was like, nah, I'm not going to. No. So my pick this week uh, is a very deeply researched and well-vetted uh, pick that sounds a lot like most of my other picks. <laughs> um, it is the band Wrong, who are from Miami, Florida, and... S 
surprise, surprise, they are very heavy and loud. Um, they sound kind of like uh, a helmet, but less math rocky. Mm. So they're very loud and, well, I, I've already said that they were loud. Um, you will like them. They have uh, one where well, there's people from Torch and Kylesa in there. And they have a couple records out. And uh, I like it a lot. And I think Wrong. you will, too. Wrong. Wrong is the name of the band. Uh, I do like Torch. Uh, I don't like anything that comes from Florida except for like four things. Orange and juice. If wrong, <laughs> if if wrong t-shirts? wins me over, souvenir t-shirts. <laughs> if wrong uh, uh, appeals to me, then that'll be five things from from Florida that I like, and uh, so I will I will investigate. I promise you. I appreciate it. Yes. Okay. Uh, my music pick of the week is a record. I was jibber jabbering with a woman named uh, Abby. I think who lives in Pleasant Hill, California. Oh. I've been to Pleasant Hill once and I didn't see the hill. I don't know if it was pleasant or not, so I can't confirm or deny. It was pleasantly not in the way. I don't know. Just like whatever. It probably <laughs> there was probably a Pleasant Hill at some point. Anyhow, she turned me on to this record called uh, Wake Up You. It's a compilation of uh, it's called wake up you the rise and fall of nigerian rock and it's all of these bands from the late 60s and early 70s uh after you know post civil war that started making these fucking jams and it's i love it it's a double album i was able to find it on discogs i'd never heard of it before and it's been in it's been on regular rotation for the whole week i love it it's it's brilliant and a couple of the acts i had heard of but not really heard too much from uh and it's uh it comes if the the copy that i got came with a book and it has uh information about the the war and the the country and the people and the scene that birthed it and i love it so that's my pick this week Good God, I feel I feel like I picked just another metal band and you were like, <laughs> you've taken us on a cultural journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't want anybody to to wrongly assume that we're one trick ponies here on the revolting podcast. I'm a one trick pony. I'm like a two trick pony. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But this was this is really good. And if, if anybody likes uh, the Dapitone uh, flavor of. Um, of jams, then they should investigate this record. I believe I saw the cover of this record uh, somewhere on your internet projection. Yeah. And it has a dazzling piece of typography on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a picture of a, uh, a young human uh, with a whole belt of uh, bullets like draped over their head. It's a, yeah. it's heavy. I mean, it's in heavy history, you know? And yeah, what I, partly what I appreciate about it is that it is, um, it's educational, you know, like this is some stuff that happened in, in my lifetime that 
I didn't really know about. So I'm learning about geopolitical events and some really badass music. That is excellent. All I listen, all I learned from listening to wrong was that um, I still like black t-shirts and (laughs) I'm irritated most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. Still irritated. So uh, let's get into question one. Yeah. Uh, Did you read this question? Number one, did you read the scene reports of Maximum Rock and Roll? And if so, were there any places that you kind of wished you could have lived? Uh, Have you ever been recruited for some weird group or cult? (laughs) I don't really see how those questions relate, but I wrote them. (laughs) Uh, Did you ever read this one magazine? Also, are you in a cult? Uh, I did. I did because, you know, I oftentimes repeatedly have referred to the little town that I lived in, Colorado being one of the landlockest states and culturally so as well, because, you know, to the West, we had California a billion miles away and to the East, we had Kansas City and they were in a deep and loving relationship with Chicago and all the rest of the Midwest stuff that was going on. So Denver was just kind of like doing its own thing. And, um, so it was, uh, for me, it was a glimpse into what the fuck else was happening anywhere, you know, like, cause I wasn't really traveling. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, go on little family vacations or whatever and see what's happening at the boardwalk in San Diego. And there's, all the BMXers are better skateboarders than the best skateboarders in Colorado. And, <laughs> right. you know, but like bands and underground and youth culture, I guess, at that time. Yeah, I found I, I had sort of a love hate uh, relationship with Maximum Rock and Roll because I, I found it very sanctimonious. Uh, I, uh, you know, sort of like. Uh, like there was there were purity tests, it felt like. Uh, for much of what was going on with Maximum Rock and Roll. And if you didn't like the weird thing that they said you should like, then you were clearly a yutz. And uh, I don't like being called a yutz, even uh, when it's implied rather than stated directly. It was a a bit of a Bible for cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were tastemakers before tastemakers was a was a thing. I don't think those words have been put together at that point. Right. But I uh, simultaneously, I read it very jealously, like I want to be inside of a scene. I, I would like to occupy I, I, when you get to the scene. How do you know that you're there? That was a question that I had a lot of the time, like, huh? And having said that, I think when I got to Boston uh, without even realizing it, I was it, I was definitely in a scene. My wife was like when she, she says when I. She's a couple years younger than I am. She said, you know, when I met you, you were like in this scene. And I was like, oh, do you mean the yutzes that I hung out with? <laughs> Still, even you when mean? you were in the scene, you were a, a yutz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yutzy scene. Yeah. I don't know even know if yutzy is a word, but. Um, there was, for whatever reason, I, I, this just made me think of uh, reading record reviews and always being attracted to the reviews of records that i already had like those <clears throat> oh and you know what i feel like the last time we recorded my stomach was growling super loud then yeah. as well and it it maybe got 
maybe that was the only part that got picked up in the recording. But yeah. again, my stomach is is growling. So forgive the external stomach sounds. Um, we should do a, just a whole ASMR episode where we record your body sounds. And there's was, like for those of you who can hear his stomach growling, you just can't even imagine the sounds that he emits before we put, press record. There's a lot of uh, throat clearing and uh, and uh, v- v- vocal exercises. So I don't yeah. stutter. And I, apparently I do stutter. I've listened to some episodes and I, I have a stutter on top of everything else. You do? I have not noticed a stutter. Yeah. yeah. You know, you like put it right there. <laughs> oh, maybe my hearing stutters. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth works a little faster than my brain and my brain admittedly doesn't work that fast. Anyway, uh, so reading uh, scene reports like in the odd issue uh, where I'd find something out about the front range, like I would read that um, I would devour that. You know, to find out like, okay, well, what is the perspective of this thing that I know, uh, not intimately because I, I didn't live in Denver, but I knew the bands and I, or I knew of the bands and I knew of the venues and I knew what was going on. So how accurate is this person's portrayal of what is happening? And I don't know. I, I always thought that was pretty interesting. It's interesting that that would be your perspective, that you were evaluating the person. Like, what do they really know what they're talking about? Because you assumed you did. Whereas if I read a Boston scene report, invariably, they'd be like, oh, this is the hot band. And, you know, they would name like three or four bands. And I was like, I've never heard of them. Or like, maybe I'm not in the scene after all. (laughs) No, it's it's not. It's not a commentary on the accuracy because I didn't I wasn't in it like i wasn't in it regularly you know what i mean like if you could get a ride to denver you drive to denver to see one of the you know handful local bands uh but there was a ton more stuff that was going on i just was you know kind of like on the periphery of it so mostly it was it was learning about somebody else's perspective or perception of what was going on uh because mine was generally pretty limited yeah Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I learned eventually was that there was a scene. Well, there were there's a ton of scenes, right? Like, uh, I mean, if we just go back to the the time of Maximum Rock and Roll, there was like a hardcore scene. There was like a pop punk scene. And then in between, you had like gutter punks and you had all these little sub scenes and like who got the. You know, the the weirdness about the Maximum Rock and Roll scene reports was like, oh, who got to decide which scene was the scene? Weren't they written by people there? Like, you know, like yeah, boots oh, yeah. on the ground, so yeah. to speak? Yeah. yeah. So, so it, I mean, I don't think Maximum Rock and Roll, for example, uh, they weren't like bursting with uh, content, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't like if you send something in, it was like if it was written reasonably coherently it was likely to get published yeah that's right i do remember at some point driving through salt lake city and like looking out across the you know it's like just passing through and looking and like wondering where the kids were you know like <laughs> even even in a place that at that point seemed so diametrically opposed to anything that i liked i knew right. that there was something happening and that was I remember very clearly like wanting to investigate. And like you said, like there's a scene everywhere. 
even in the yeah. cities where you probably wouldn't think there'd be a scene, you know, right. we're seeing some, some punkers in San Antonio in like 1983 or 84. Right. Like three kids at walking <laughs> somewhere. And I was just like, Oh, like, where are they going? What's their, right. I want to know about their story. Yeah. Uh, but again, I was just sort of an outside observer to any of it. So here's how the two parts of question one relate. Now that you've said that, uh, I get it now. So on the one hand, you have this uh, idea that scenes exist and you're interested in being in the scene or at least participating on some level. Yeah. And sometimes you have a strong urge like we've talked about before with bikes. You're like, oh, this bike thing is so cool. Like I want I want in on whatever the bike scene is, whether gonna, it's like the, I'm going to trade the coolest fucking Metallica shirt in the world for two of the dumbest bike shirts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how bad I want into the bike cult. <laughs> for example. And so this relates to the second part of the question. Have you ever been recruited to some weird group or cult? Because there's a time in our lives where we really want to belong to something. Yeah. Uh, no. And I remember, <laughs> I remember, uh, two point three. Oh, well, I made three points. Uh, the last time we recorded that we didn't record, uh, I talked about, <laughs> which <laughs> was the best about, episode we've ever done. Go on. <laughs> I talked about the garbage eaters. Oh yes. You, yeah. You hadn't heard of the garbage eaters before. Um, yeah. nobody, they wouldn't talk to me. So there was this, this weird, uh, uh, subculture this group of people they the, they dressed like the women wore their hair up uh in like a tight bun and they wore blue smocks uh and they i think i don't think the the men grew their beards out and their hair long or whatever and they wouldn't talk to anybody uh they'd ride bikes everywhere that was a thing um and uh and they would like dumpster dive and i remember so <clears throat> Caltrans ran a shuttle, a, a van uh, with a bike trailer on it for bicycle commuters to get from the East Bay to the West Bay and vice versa uh, during commuting hours because you couldn't take your tr bikes on the uh, Bay Area rapid transit train. Um, so I would get on the shuttle with like an odd commuter and a handful of messengers and uh, usually it was in the afternoon. And then these people with the blue smocks and bikes with panniers full of fucking meat <laughs> would get on and sit there and be like, they wouldn't acknowledge anyone. They wouldn't talk to anyone. And I remember seeing a flyer at one point, some kid had gone missing and it was like, uh, you know, he was last seen associated with the garbage eaters. Like it was a known fucking thing. It was like a weird bike cult thing. You can Google these people. Uh-huh. I yeah. believe you did last time we were. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, yeah, I think, I mean, they're a nomadic, a very simply living group. I don't know if, what they worship or they're just like living off the fat of capitalism or, you know. What, what there's the, the things that bothered me about your, your garbage eater story last time was that they, they didn't recruit you. No. Uh, and it reminded me of that um, religious group, the Shakers, that made all that um, furniture that everyone likes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And their their central tenet was to have no, was not to procreate. Yeah. Uh, and the, and, and they, it's like a, 
There's the a kids, fatal flaw in your plan, guys. <laughs> and the kids would go crazy. Like the shakers would there would be like adolescent fucking screaming parties in the barns and stuff because they were so pent up that <laughs> you couldn't masturbate, you couldn't have you couldn't have orgasm. And so the kids I think this is the same thing, and the kids would go and like lose their shit, like running around circles and waving their arms everywhere. What whatever yeah and today we have no shakers as a result (laughs) that's what i imagined the the adolescent freakouts looked like because i think that if i was an adolescent and i couldn't do any of the things i would run around in circles with with, waving like a muppet right like kermit the frog (laughs) just screaming crazy yeah um so the second two i i talked about being recruited for porn uh, but oh, that was right. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a bike shop. Well, first <laughs> I was, <laughs> you can't do a misdirection on, I got recruited for porn, but first let me tell you a different story. No, uh, I was, I was friends with these kids in college and we were just sitting around shooting the breeze one time. And I said something about like, wouldn't that be fucking weird to be in porn or something i don't know how it came up and this guy who was friends with a friend of mine said you uh you want to would you be interested in doing a porn and i was like what are you what (laughs) and he he happened to do the sound editing for this production company in southern california and he's like would you like to be in a porn because i have a porn and you could be in it you give me the word and i can you can you can be filming this weekend and i was just like this it's what this isn't supposed to be a like this isn't supposed to happen and and b like i don't think i want i don't think i want anything to do with this this is just too <laughs> creepy and the other thing i don't think i mentioned this but the series that he was working on was a it was a series called life in the fat lane and so i'll just leave that there yeah um uh needless to say i didn't do it uh, and then years later, I was working in a bike shop, chit-chatting. I'm, maybe I was relating that story, and the UPS guy walked in. He was like, oh, do you want to be in a porn? I said, what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? And it turns out this guy, too, was he was an amateur producer. Like, he produced porn. He delivered boxes during the week, and then he did porn production on the weekends. And he's like, yeah, we're doing a thing out in Concord, and here's the address. And you show up at 10 o'clock, and I was like... <laughs> and he so he gives me this address and i was like there, no way and I, I i did ask him i'm like well what is what do i get like is there pay involved you know because i mean whatever i'm making 14 dollars an hour at the bike shop so a little supplemental income yeah and you get to ruin any potential future you have in politics <laughs> at the same time and he was like well the the women get paid there that's that if there's money from residual sales then um then then you would then you would get a paycheck but uh otherwise we like we'll feed you lunch there's a pizza (laughs) yeah i get sandwiches yeah laid and get sandwiches uh and sure enough i didn't do it and on monday he came in (laughs) And sure had, enough, I didn't do it. I like the way you say that as if you found out. Hey, who? Kn- I waited to see what happened, but I didn't go do it. <laughs> he, he showed up on Monday and he was like, ah, oh, you didn't, you know, like you didn't come. We had the, uh, we had like the 
the plan B guy and he showed up and here's a bunch of pictures and he showed me a bunch of pictures of the shot. And I was just like <coughs> fucking wild. So no cults and never been recruited, but I had, there's my. You uh, have twice been asked to make porn. Yeah. Uh, nobody has asked me to make porn. Um, I don't yeah, feel that I mean, surprised that, about that. Weird. I don't think it, it, that doesn't happen to people twice. You know, it right. doesn't happen to people once, but then fucking to have it happen twice over the course of like 10 years. I guess I, I just, love, I got that kind of face. You got a face for porn. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave that there. Uh, but uh, I love that the UPS guy was like, <laughs> I like it was the UPS guy in uniform pitching yeah. you the second time. Yeah. Oh, yeah his, that seems with, legit. With his boots and his uh, ankle socks and his shorts just above his knees. And, his, you know, he's like very prim. Pressed brown Santa. Sure. Comes strutting Brown's in with his hand truck full of bike parts. And, oh, yeah, you want to come to Concord and you can have sex with a lady on film this weekend. Good God. Right. No. Wow. Yeah. No. So, uh, you, um, any cults, any cults in your past? Uh, the only, so, um, uh, I said in the opening, uh, about uh, your punk rock friends becoming Hare Krishnas. And this happened to me in college. The Hare Krishnas were on campus. They had a temple. Uh, they Maybe they still have a temple uh, in a really nice neighborhood in, in Boston. And uh, one kid that I, I knew but wasn't friends with because he didn't speak as far as I could tell. Um, he was like this really long haired Jersey metal kid, you know, like black bomber jacket, super long very blonde hair, very straight hair. It was, he was like a striking looking person. Um, and his name was Tim. And then, uh, he showed, started to show up like he had the, then he got the sides shaved. So he just had the top part of the hair and then he would come in with the, uh, paint on his face. Uh, and I apologize to any Krishna's out there for not knowing the names and functions of those things. I just don't, uh, but yeah, he became, I think, Trivacrom uh, and his New Jersey metal girlfriend uh, also became a Hare Krishna. And they I think they lived at the temple and then. And so, OK, whatever that happened. And, you know, the K Krishnas would stop you on campus, especially if you I think were a punk rock kid uh, because they they were like, wink, wink, you're one of us, really. Uh, because you had bands like, you know, Youth of Today and Shelter and there was like a whole Krishna core thing happening in music. Yeah. Uh, kind of coming out of New York. But uh, then this other kid who I was I was I, I wouldn't say we were we were tight, but we were we hung out and we talked and uh, we'd spent some time together. And I went over to his place for lunch one day and he was like, yeah, I'm thinking about. I've been eating like they have meals at the temple periodically and it's pretty cool. And, you know, this stuff makes sense when you think about it. And he like he did this whole thing. And I was like, uh, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say I was recruited, but I was it was the first moment maybe in my whole life where I was like, oh, is this how this happens? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, it's a you're, you're he was looking for something. Tim was looking for something and they found it within this, uh, yeah. sect and, and, uh, I, I'm all, I'm all for it. As long as, you know, you're not hurting anybody, you're not hurting yourself. If, if that gives you spiritual foundation, uh, right. emotional foundation or whatever, 
all for it. But there was a weird connection between the punk scene and and Hare Krishna's. That for yeah. and it was the same in the Bay Area. I saw it pretty consistently. Yeah. Yeah, it was kooky. definitely there. And and like you say, uh, you know, whatever, uh, there are all sorts of cults and sects and how what you call a religion, what you call a cult just seems kind of arbitrary to me. Uh, do whatever lifts you up. I think that was our theme uh, the last time we had this conversation. Yeah. Like, do your thing. I think part of my problem, both with cults and religions and with most groups, really, is that I can't take anything very seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. as soon as you start to be like, no, really think about this. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. I mean, you've even said to like I, I, I you and I were talking about something and I believe you were getting irritated. I don't know. It was in text and I couldn't tell whether you were irritated or not. But you were like, not everything is a joke, John. <laughs> and I think I texted back. Is it not? <laughs> Uh, and that's why I'm not in a cult because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah yeah uh, I, I've never been a joiner myself you know yeah. I grew up going to church and I saw that there were <clears throat> some fundamental um, uh, uh, rules or whatever that like you know I can get behind this like do unto others yeah you know then again yeah. I learned that shit in kindergarten. Like, right. Do you like having your hair pulled? No. Well, don't pull anybody's hair. Okay. Right. Got it. Uh, you know, rules to live by. And I even, sure. you know, the temple of the satanic temple, like their tenets are super interesting to me, uh, because it's basically like, believe in yourself first. There is no Satan. Like Satan was a construct of Christianity. There's no boogeyman. It's no, it's you, it's you and nature and be nice to the people around you. It's really fucking basic. And if I was a joiner, I would join, but I'm not. So right. I just, I, I kind of cherry pick uh, different religions and different philosophies and, and try to leave as positive a footprint behind as I can. And I don't need a building. Um, or a group of people or a book or songs or whatever to like reinforce or propel me in my beliefs. I just, yeah. I've never have felt, felt that way. Oh, Hey, it's story time with Steve. About three years ago, Shimano tapped me to join a group of people. They were calling the gravel Alliance. Essentially, this was a group of people who were going to ride and test the GRX gravel group. We're going to do races around the country and rides and have light influence on design and engineering and research and development tweaks that needed to be done before it went to market. Uh, on the surface, this was just an opportunity to ride bikes and to meet this amazing group of personalities and even to take a peek behind the curtain and learn a little bit more about Shimano as a company. Uh, but on the underneath, I learned more about myself and my own self-worth than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, the whole thing was really brilliant, and I understand that's not exactly what they had in mind when they asked me to sign on, but uh, that was a byproduct, and I will forever be in Shimano's debt because of it. I had this experience once uh, in Golden, Colorado. I was there. It was the only time I was ever there, and I... It was a Sunday morning 
I was there for work and no one was really doing anything. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to go see what Golden is about. So I went up there and I got a cup of coffee and I'm sitting there and Golden's not a great town. I don't think it's it's real. It's real pretty now. It's, it <laughs> well, was well, pretty blue collar and it just basically like revolved around like there was Coors and then there was yeah. not much going on. But I was there a couple of years ago and I really I really liked it. Well, th- this is what I'm saying. It's not like um, it's not a. <laughs> There's natural beauty all around Golden, and this is what I experienced. So I sat down with my cup of coffee, and I'm looking at the mountains. And as I'm doing this, people are, like, driving up to go to this church, and they're all going into this church. And and I couldn't help but feel – I couldn't help thinking, um, uh, why are you guys going inside? Uh, It's like a beautiful morning in a beautiful place. Why would you go inside right now? That doesn't make any sense to me as a way to nourish your spirit. I'm sure they all went there, so they were getting something uh, out of that building. I don't even know what kind of church it was. Maybe they were Hare Krishnas. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I used to ask my mom the same question, like, why do we do this once a week? What's an, what, you know, we have, we have, how many hours are in a week? Yeah. However many hours are in a week. We have all yeah. of those hours <laughs> to really, like, cherish and worship and be thankful to the creator to the universe, to wh- whoever is your chosen all being, all powerful being. Uh, oh, so an hour, and why do I have to wear this dumb sweater? You know, like it didn't from 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 the from the jump. It didn't make any sense to me. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, and we, I think we have to be careful because I think people feel criticized when we say these things. Uh, Absolutely I, not. It's not. Yeah. I'm not being critical of anybody else's. Like I said, like if you're not, if this is what is fulfilling to you, is the, if this process or this establishment is is fulfilling to you, it gives you uh, community. Uh, or you go there for the music or or whatever. Like right. I don't. I'm not judging at all. It just never. It never clicked for me that one hour a week thing is perfect because it's a thing i've thought before too i've thought like if i believed that there was this all-powerful uh being i think i would spend all my time trying to talk i wouldn't just be like you know i'll give you 10 minutes when i wake up and 10 before i go to bed (laughs) i think i would i would just put more time into it than that if i if that's what i believed yeah but i think that's i mean having gone to church for as long as i did and and believing, you know, when I was small, like, well, there's, there was, God gave his only son and God is a man and, and there's angels and grandpa is watching me touch myself. And like, uh, you know, you know, like, like there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion for me when I was small, but wow. it was like, it was, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're just going to slide grandpa's watching me touch myself into the conversation and just keep going. Yeah. Uh, it it made, it made, it was, it was all too, that was all just too much. It was too structured, I guess. Yep. Uh, Too structured is also a good point. It made, it made sense to me until it didn't. And then it, and then it didn't at all. Um, But again, I don't, I don't care if, you know, whatever you do, if you're not harming yourself or the people around you or your ideology doesn't harm yourself or the people around you or the environment in which you live or whatever, like, tear it up. Yeah. But it's 
it seems all too common that, uh, you know, people get, well, my, my beliefs are better than your beliefs and uh, I'm going to judge you or criticize you or hurt you or whatever, because you don't believe what I believe. And then it just turns into all boondoggle. And I, I don't like right. that. Yeah, uh, I was going to mention, or I did mention previously, not relating to any of this at all. But I remember talking about um, uh, my friend Andy, this guy who I used to messenger with, and he was like a he was like a lifer, you know. He was on the road. Oh for, yeah, 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 yeah. For years, he was just Boston, Boston punker kid, and uh, didn't see him for a long time. And uh, there was another character in Berkeley that walked around. This guy Joseph who sang, he like talked in this real high pitched sort of sing songy voice. And the rumor was that he was a professor, he was a brilliant professor at UC Berkeley and he ate a bunch of acid and lost his mind or whatever. So I see this, who I think is Joseph getting on a Brown independent fabrications, uh, cross bike at the grocery store. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I don't understand what I'm seeing here. Then I realized that it was Andy and I, it had been long enough that I had, um, hadn't seen him in a while and he had become a Sikh or had begun, um, he joined, uh, uh this, uh, he, he began seeking Sikhdom, Sikhdom. Uh, and then eventually, <laughs> you know, he lived at the, he lived at the, the place in Hayward yeah. and he, you know, like was abstinent and I did all of the things. And then I saw him at a, a mutual friend's wedding and he showed up in full like Sikh garb with head wrap. And again, forgive me. I don't know any of the terminology, but he had like ceremonial sword in his sash and it was just this whole thing. And he was like fully into it and loved it. And the thing that was wild to me is that like when we would talk, it's just Andy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't any different. He just, had done this thing because it fulfilled him spiritually and right. that and that was and he loved it and i loved i loved it for him you know i mean more power to him i think that's a lot of work I, and this is my biggest oh, big uh yeah i'm too lazy to be religious <laughs> uh, uh, i don't i can't take anything seriously and i'm real lazy by the time you get to like the third thing i have to do and you have to wear the where i have to wear a thing no uh that's that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Well, is it a trucker hat? If it's not a trucker hat, I probably am out. <laughs> well, even if it was a trucker hat, you know, I was like, oh, in this religion, you got to wear baggy pants and trucker hat. I'd be like, well, fuck, that's cool. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, was, uh, I was just thinking of giving those things up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to go to tight pants again. Like, that's my. Yeah, that's just my inability to. I can't, I can't be, I don't like being a part of the thing. Well, okay. Now that we have much um, fully, um, I don't know, fully plumbed the depths of uh, the value of spirituality and whatnot. Um, let's bring it back to cycling. Cause it's a cycling podcast with question number two, which is. What is the weirdest cycling subculture? I don't, I guess the, oh wait. Okay. So what is the weirdest cy cycling subculture? Uh, which one are you most curious about? How badly do you wish a hood rat crew to ride around? Uh, wait, how badly do you wish you had a hood rat crew to ride around with all day, every day? Uh, I'm going to say the garbage eaters. Uh, go back to the garbage eaters. That's the weirdest cycling subculture. I, I think so. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, what, I don't know. 
that that's just an American thing. I'm sure there's like some group of kids in Central America that ride around on bikes that they made. I mean, I have I have no idea. That's the that's the one that's the one that I know of. I guess. Right. And you did say panniers full of meat before. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a visual that stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, and I think I brought up last time that no one ever, no one remembers because only you and I heard it. Uh, the 29er unicycle off-road unicyclists in Santa Cruz. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I used, In Lycra. I used to see them. We, I did a Wednesday night, like I started this Wednesday night ride on June 6th, uh, in 2006. And we would all go up and meet at Twin Gates. And then we would have like we do events like cross country races, but you got to start by doing a dizzy bat. You got to do like ten spins yeah. on the dizzy bat, and then on a mon style start or shotgun a beer if you didn't if you didn't want to do the dizzy bat or vice versa. Um, There's a hot dog hill climb where you had to ride up this super technical trail while eating a hot dog, and we yep. do these things every Wednesday like all through the season or well all year unless it was really shitty and cold. Um, but when we, we were meeting at Twin Gates, this gaggle, this gang of off-road unicyclists would roll through. Like a, I never saw them around town. I only ever saw them there, and they would like meet up somewhere and go do this big ride. And they were always tailed by a woman on a recumbent. And they were friendly, <laughs> but they didn't ever stop to chat. They'd just roll through and say hello and then be on their way. And it, it, it was a, they were a trip. I saw them... I saw them. I was down at the beach. I was down like at the wall watching surfers uh, with my buddy Mark one day drinking coffee, of course, and they rolled by and I looked at Mark like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> did and you, he lives in Santa Cruz. He was like, that I saw? He, he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you live at the circus, you see clowns. That's what's up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were super nice. I mean, I like, I, I don't understand. I can't do a wheelie to save my life, but I think riding a unicycle is sort of like doing a wheelie everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, but more power to them, you know, and they're per, per diem, per neum, per diem, per neum. Yeah. yeah. The, the taint, like that the taint, just seems the grundle. Yeah. That just seems like that would take a real beating on a unicycle, but maybe no more than on a, on a bicycle. Maybe. Rick Hunter was um, making custom unicycles for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he does that anymore, but he was like, people were going to him to get custom unicycles built. Fucking hmm. weird. Yeah. Like, so, like suspended, like, you know, off-road specific unicycles. I don't know. Yeah, it's the craziest thing I can... I mean, <clears throat> I, 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 what I don't want to do is cast aspersions. When I looked at it, I was like, what are you doing? And the, the other thing that didn't make sense to me is they were in like road kit when oh, yeah. I saw them. Yeah. And so I, I just couldn't make sense of the whole thing. Maybe it's the most fun thing ever. Yeah. Um, Maybe. I have a friend, uh, Kirk, who is uh, also known as Fleet Admiral Skunk, uh, who is the leader of the Skull um, bike gang here in Boston. And that is comprised of people 
who and I believe they refer to their bicycles as um, starships of various classes. And so you have like chopper bikes and you have tall bikes. Kirk has one with like a disco ball and a stereo on it. Um, that's very tall and they do missions where they like <laughs> they ride around town and um, you know I, I have not joined uh, but I will say when I have seen them roll through a neighborhood it is a fucking party yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool I think that, that tall way. bike I, I would say tall, tall bikes the tall bike gangs, hard times bike club or the black label bike club or whatever. Like those, that's a, for sure, a, a, a kind of a kooky subculture. I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the weirdest, but it's a, and right. Just the idea of riding a tall bike is, is really scary to me. I understand the concept of riding a bike, but I also understand the concept of falling off of a very tall ladder. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, what do you do? You hit a pothole or you fucking, you come to an extremely long traffic light or something. Right. <laughs> like you, you, you really got to plan ahead. Like, okay, is there anything I can put my hands on right. to hold myself up? Cause otherwise I'm just going to tip over and land in the back of this guy's pickup. Right. I feel like there's a whole scene from a future back to the future movie where that this app, like he falls into the back of a old convertible <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, he brought, um, he worked at seven where I also work. He still works there. And, um, he brought this chopper bike one time with this like super long fork and I, I couldn't even ride it. I couldn't keep the front wheel on the ground. And he's like, Oh, you just do it like this. And he would pop on. Like, I think he's a really good bike rider. He actually has to make riding a bike harder for himself because riding a conventional bike is too easy. So he has to come up with some kind of weird contraptions. No, it's like half bike, half shopping cart. And it, you right. steer it with the rear wheel and and it's elliptical and whatever rise you go or whatever. Yeah, of course. But, it's a cyclocross know. ping pong table, bro. Come on. <laughs> duh. Duh. Um, Fuck. Get on well, the it's funny. He built himself a conventional bicycle uh, during my time there and he put it together and he started to ride it. And I was like, what do you think? And he's like, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so fast. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's faster than your 14-foot-tall disco ball-equipped bike? <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a commuter. That's, that's, a, he, that's a whole level of skill that I, that I don't have. I mean, I can barely ride He's the sweetest guy bike. in the world. And he also is a big mover and shaker at this place called the Artisan Asi- Artisan's Asylum. Uh, oh, I like the sound where, of that. Yeah, it's like a big communal workspace. And they teach classes there. Like, if you want to learn printmaking, he teaches uh, welding classes there uh it's a very it's a very cool thing and a bunch of very cool people but it it's another group where i was you know like even if i as as much as i admire them and what they do and the things that they build i'm like god that looks like work i (laughs) (laughs) I it's so much easier just to stay in bed i mean i can barely make the bike that um is i already have all the parts for Right. That they just make that you can just go get like right. that bike alone is hard enough for me to keep rolling. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you have to have something that's you have to have like a storage space for it, or maybe a garage or something or even I don't know, or or not. You just lean it up behind your house and it's not like anybody's going to steal it. Yeah. Just dare someone to steal it. <laughs> yeah. Way too scary. Um, yeah. This bike so has a pillar. Part- doesn't have a. Oh, sorry. Go on. The last part of the 
question is how badly do I wish I had a hood rat crew to ride around with all day, every day. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, badly, like the idea of just like going out and mobbing and yeah, fucking doing cool tricks and scaring people in traffic. I don't know that sounds super fun, but also it's, it also sounds like work and I went, I don't, I mean, this is a brand new, this is a brand new scene for me. Maybe, maybe I'll have a hood rat crew here to ride around with. Yeah. I did. There was always, there was whether the 12 o'clock boys or whatever. There's like the, the, uh, uh, gang of kids on motocross bikes and quads and shit. I think they started in Philly maybe, but there was like, there was a presence in Oakland and you could hear them coming and then the cops would show up and they'd scatter. <laughs> and that was really fun to see, you know, it's just like the, the, the cops are just chasing their tails, trying to like corral these kids who are just having a blast, you know? And then by extension, I guess somewhere along the way, there's a whole bunch of kids uh, learned about SE racing and they're big rippers and they ride around and fucking mob the streets. And that's a total gas. I yeah. don't know. I'm, the I'm man is it. terribly afraid of youth with unstructured time. Ha or having fun. I mean, I've seen videos <laughs> of, I have yeah. seen videos of kids. They're just riding bikes, you know, like whatever. And the cops, the cops yeah. gotta stop them and shake them down. And I don't know. Fun is fun is threatening. To fun the is the establishment. Threatening. Yeah. Uh, so and I yeah. think the the window or the the uh, lever that they that gets used is oh it's not safe. Like this is right. always the thing with with a skate spot, right? It's like oh well, this isn't safe. There's too well, many you, lawyers. You don't get to decide whether I hurt myself or not. I'm I'm down to hurt myself. That's what I came out here for. That's see, that's the thing, and like you know, personal responsibility. I mean, that's yeah. all it that's all it boils down to. However, uh, say you get hurt and somewhere and you don't sue your parents don't sue whatever the situation is but then you are uh on the hook for a shit ton of money in medical expenses or whatever and then your insurance company they decide to sue i mean it's always there's always it's it's garbage i think it's it's garbage there's i appreciate i appreciate litigation uh in to a degree but it just everybody's afraid of everything and there's too much insurance and there's too many lawyers and there's too much liability. And so that's why people are afraid of don't, you know, don't do anything. Just basically don't do anything. That's the don't safest. do anything. That's do not explore route. the body you live in or the world uh, around you. Don't do it. It's no, dangerous. Too, too scary until you're yeah. like 40 and decide to do a rope swing for the first time <laughs> in your life, but make sure you film it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Question three. Yeah. What's our time? Oh, we're about we're nailing in it. on about an hour. Okay. Uh, would you rather fart bubbles or sneeze butterflies? I modified this question from last time we discussed it. Yeah. I don't remember what it was before, but I think I think I'd rather sneeze butterflies. Than fart bubbles? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's the the problem yeah. with farting bubbles is then you're never going to get away with like a sneaky fart. You're not. And the bubble is a, is a liquid. However, minimally <laughs> this is like, you're going to constantly be shooting like bubble solution into your pants, <laughs> even a little bit. And well, I think yeah. 
when we did this last time, the last it, it, bef- the way this was written before was, would you rather fart butterflies or sneeze bees? And I think I just <laughs> wrote sneeze bees because it rhymes and I liked it. But you were like, I don't want to be anywhere near bees. If you sneeze a bunch of bees, they're going to be pissed and they're going to because you just took the joy out of it right away. You were like, here's the reality. And then you were like, and you're going to have a bunch of dead butterflies in your pants because uh, unless you drop trout every time to let the butterflies out. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. In fact, I told my kids this later that night because I, I then I was like, uh, oh, well, maybe we just assume that there's magic and they come magic. And you looked at me dead serious and you were like, I don't even know why you're saying the things you're saying right now. <laughs> let's like, look at this. Let's look at this practically. Robot, please <laughs> give me a fucking break. Yeah, I don't want a bunch of dead butterflies in my shorts. Uh, I, I, OK. I, OK. Yeah, I'm sneezing butterflies for sure. And I would. Uh, I, I would sneeze bees. I mean, I would sneeze. I don't want, I don't want anything in my pants. <laughs> Bubbles or butterflies, but mm. you sneeze and then you got to fucking run or jump in the water or something. Is it, because are, these the hun- are these honeybees or are these hornets like wasps? I think they're benign bees. Um, but let's go back a second. Let's, re- let me rework the question one more way. <laughs> What if instead of every time you fart, bubbles come out and every time you sneeze, butterflies come out, you could turn that on and off. Like if this was just a cool trick that you had, would you choose the fart bubbles or the butterfly sneeze? Still butterflies. Because what are you going to do? Like you're at a party and everybody's like, oh, fucking, hey, do that. But do the bubble trick. And you're like, really? Like I gotta yeah. show, I gotta pull my pants down and basically like put my ass in the air so you can see bubbles come out of me. And but then everybody's looking at my butthole, you know. Like there's I just feel I'm like this sh- isn't a great stretch for you and your party I'm sh- routines. I'm very shy. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I leave my butthole out of it. Like any uh-huh. party tricks, any party tricks do not. They don't involve my butthole. I was used to do like there was the skin watch, you know, that's a funny party trick where you wrap your dong around your wrist. You'd be like, oh, what time is it? <clears throat> and uh, I think we, yeah, skin watch. So we, um, last time I did it was at my friend Sally's wedding. I haven't done it in years. Oh, you did the skin watch at a wedding. Of course you <laughs> yeah, did. It, but you definitely <laughs> wouldn't fart bubbles. That would, that's beyond the pale. I, I Jesus. Am, I'm very modest. Yeah. So, did I tell you the story? This is a, this is when I back speaking of sneezing butterflies when I was still drinking. So this is a long this is uh, this is a long time ago. <clears throat> I was sitting around with all these people and we were all, you know, having a pretty good time. And it was summertime and we were out on somebody's porch and there were all these moths flying around the light, which was right over my head. And I like reached up and grabbed a moth you know, in my hand and it was there and I put it in my mouth and then I went mm, like it got everyone's attention. Then I opened my mouth and the moth flew out and they were like, <laughs> Oh no, you know? So like not content to uh, have had that success. Uh, I then uh, when everyone turned away, I then reached up again and I put the moth in my mouth, but I was, I was inebriated. Uh, Steve Mm-hmm. And so the trick that I got right the first time, I failed the second time. 
So as I put the moth in my mouth, I realized I had crushed it oh. in my hand. Oh. And so I had just put a dead moth in my mouth. Was it but the was, same moth? It was a different moth. Okay. Can you imagine? I mean, I realize that moths probably don't have real complex nervous systems or brain functions or whatever. Yeah. But you're like just cruising around like, oh, light, light, and my friends, and the light, and my friends. And then all of a sudden you're in some dude's mouth. And then you're just yeah. like, what the fuck happened? Then you get released and you're like, oh, back with my friends in the light. And, my, and then it happens again. <laughs> fuck. No one's going to believe that story in the moth papers. Bad luck, um, Jerry. So I put the, the dead moth in my mouth and then everyone looks at me again to see me do this uh, trick, which is going to be nowhere near as good the second time. <laughs> and I stick my tongue out and it's got a dead moth <laughs> on it. And they were like, no. And then I was like, I was like, there's nothing to do now but swallow this moth. <laughs> so that's what I did. Uh, I, I eventually quit drinking because, you know, it didn't go very well all the time. Yeah. It didn't go that well all the time. It, it went a lot worse for the moth that yeah, night anyway. It's true. I would never do that, a thing like that now. Rest in peace, little buddy. Yeah. Little Sorry. Moth. Uh, well, nice work. We did it again. We're at nine, what, uh, about an hour. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for either Robot or me, or topics you'd like us to pontificate on, you can email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at robot at <laughs> cyclingindependent.com. That fucks me up every time. If I you wish like this, that we had video so that people could see the contortions <laughs> in your face as you try to get the words out. <laughs> if you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent, please share it with a friend. It's the only way to keep this party going. Uh, so going. one more in the crapper. Uh, <laughs> on behalf of the Cycling Independent, I'm Steve Wolf. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck. Yeah, yeah.